Hello, I'm Jim. And I'm Frank. And I'm Jerry. And this is the JFJ Conspiracy. How you guys doing? Wonderful. <laughs> Very good. It's been a good week. Yes, it has. Before we get jumping right into this podcast, this is our second podcast, but this is our first podcast on Veterans Day. And I want to give a shout out to all veterans all across America and abroad and give them a great big thank you. And that's you included, Jerry. I appreciate that very much, Frank. I was happy to serve. And again, happy Veterans Day to all the wonderful men and women out there serving and who have served and who shall serve. God bless America, guys. God bless America. I echo everything you guys just said. Okay, let's jump right into this. Before we get to our songs and our picks and our classic album, let's talk about The End of the Road. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. (laughs) Jerry, tell me, what what are your feelings about it? Well, um, you know, whatever they choose to do, I'm good. I I just, whenever I think about Kiss, I just go back to the 70s when they were just so huge and I couldn't wait for an album to come out. As far as this incarnation here, um, more power to them. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I own Sonic Boom and Monster. They're good Kiss albums, but I just, I'd need the original four, either that or if I'm, I'm just old enough now, I've seen her twice in my lifetime, I might be good with it. You know, I would love, I would love if they did another studio album, but I won't be going to any concerts, put it that way. All right. What about you, Jim? Um, well, I have, um, on a few occasions already with you guys uh, expressed my displeasure at the fact that uh, Tommy and Eric are wearing, you know, Ace and Peter's makeup. Yeah. And um, so for this tour, what are they doing? They're adding some extra songs and they're adding a few more explosions. Uh, Yeah. No, no, thanks. I mean, it's not uniforms. And some new uniforms. And, and some new costumes. Okay, great. Um, if, if they told me that they were going to tour with Ace, I would maybe consider it. Same here. You know, but, um, yeah, not uh, not interested in going and seeing them rehashing the same old, same old. I saw them on the reunion tour with the four original guys, and that, uh, that kind of closed it out for me. Uh, I did too, Jim. Yep, I agree. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Uh, my first concert – was uh, the Kiss Alive two recordings at the Forum as a as a wee lad? Oh yeah, my parents took mm. me. But but I want to tell you a quick story. My uh, grandfather's brother was my great uncle Al, and Uncle Al used to tell stories, and he had a twinkle in his eye, and he'd talk about World War two, and he'd talk about the days in New York and the days in Philadelphia, and I would sit there and just listen to him. He would go on and on, and I don't know if everything he was saying was true or not, but I loved <laughs> listening to him talk. I love it. Yeah, and when I when I was in my 40s, um, Uncle Al died, and I went with my yeah, mother. Listen. Absolutely. I went with my mother to the funeral, and uh, my son, Dominic, uh, before I went, he said, Dad, can you can you get a picture of Uncle Al? I've, I want to see what Uncle Al looks like. Yeah. And so... While, you know, everything's going on, I snuck into the the viewing room and I took my camera out and I took a picture of Uncle Al. And unfortunately, he looked more like Grandpa Munster. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. That's how I remember my great Uncle Al as Grandpa Munster now. Wow. That's kind of how it is with Kiss. (laughs) 
They look, no, they look like Grandpa Munster to you? That's, well, yeah. absolutely. When, when I saw a lot of the video clips on, on – uh, YouTube of the cruise that just took place this oh, past yeah. week. Oh yeah, a couple. Oh lord, Gene. Gene looks sad, dude. You, remember when we were young? You couldn't see through the makeup. No, you saw these ferocious faces through this makeup, and they were those characters. And they were taking the stage. They were attacking it. Absolutely. And now when I see Gene, and, and you see sadness almost with him just standing there and <laughs> with shame, you know, and. Part of me thinks maybe that's because he knows it's not all live. Right. You know, and right. I, that's one of his things that he's always, you know, hooting hollered about is the live. We, we do it live. And uh, that's right. Right. There's a lot of speculation of whether or not it's all live. And um, mm-hmm. I, I just if you were just to watch Gene alone, you could you could see I don't think this is as fun as it used to be. I don't think so either. They're, they're just counting dollars. That's all. Absolutely. But anyways, enough of that. I digress. We're all with you, though, Frank, because I just remember back in the day, they were just such a just such a super, super strong band. You know, it is what it is. And I, I saw him in April of 17 and Paul's voice was just done. So what do we do, guys? Do we listen to him sing live like that? Or do we just not look at his lips moving when the when it's when, when he's lip syncing? I, I don't know. You know. <laughs> I, I don't know what the uh, what the answer is to that because yeah. um, I, I, well, I'll give you this: Tommy and Eric are tighter players than oh, yes. Peter and Ace. But you know what? That was part of the charm of Kiss is Ace's sloppiness and and yeah and Peter's jazzy grooves. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a, at this time I'm a pass. I'll, I'm gonna say it's been Same real. Here. I've seen them, like you said, the reunion. I saw a couple of the farewell shows, the last go round. Mm-hmm. Was lucky enough to see them, you know, with Aerosmith and, and in different incarnations. So, yeah, it's been good, but I think it's time to hang it up. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think it probably was time to hang it up a little while back, and just been kind of flogging that horse for a while. Yeah. And uh, you know, for anybody who doesn't know uh, us personally or anything else i mean uh there was a point when when kiss was kind of everything for us absolutely you know, every, everything for us i mean just the influence on everything we said we did what we wore i mean uh room was full of posters oh lord yeah i mean the first real band that i just fell in love with i would agree you know just the, the first band i really fell in love with and i would uh, agree I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It, it's what. So it's it's sad to kind of see what it's become. You know, Paul hasn't been able to sing in a long time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, enough of Debbie Downer. Let's bring this up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> um, let, let's jump into our picks this week. Um, All right. I, I'm trying to say, I, you know, right off the bat, you guys. Went with um, the estrogen on me, so let's <laughs> let's start it off with Jim and your pick. Okay, so my pick is a band called the Beths, and they are a four-piece group out of Auckland, New Zealand. Um, they just released. Well, it's not just released. I think this came out in July, so it's a you know it's a few months back. Um, it's their first full length. They had a, a EP in 2016. 
This is our first full-length uh, recording. And uh, yeah, I found these, uh, I found this band actually through um, a post in a Facebook group that I belong to that's a, a power pop group. And uh, a friend of mine uh, had gone to see him. I guess they toured here in the U.S. And so uh, got to see him and, and was kind of raving about him. And so I checked him out and I really like him. And so uh, this song is called uh, Future Me Hates Me. So well, let's, let's give it a listen and then we'll talk about it. Actually, named Beth, or their name is it? Lydia? <laughs> no, actually, the lead singer, lead singer is named Beth, and um, but it's uh, it's her and, and three other guys that uh, she hooked up with in, in the university. They were studying; they're all jazz players, actually, which is a little little strange because this is a you know like a jangly guitar pop kind of tune, and that's kind of their sound, and. I like um, I was taken back almost to a like the plimsolls almost uh, uh, in an eighties pop sound to me, you know. And I, I don't know why that. While I was listening to that, I was thinking of the movie Valley Girl, and uh, <laughs> oh wow, you know, very good. Okay, yeah, yeah and it took yeah. me kind of to that to that that era. So, well, I've I've listened to their stuff, and if you go on YouTube, you look up some of their videos, and um, you know the songs are smart you know, lyrically smart. And uh, when you see the visuals, you know, c- completely unpretentious, they have a sense of humor about themselves that is very refreshing, I think. Um, you know, there's no rock star posturing or anything like that. You know, they're um, not bending over backwards to try to look cool or anything else, but just... Uh, it's about the music. Yeah, it's about the music. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Fun. So I, I kind of looked up to see if, if they were around, if they were playing out any. Um, seems they're in Europe right now. Uh, if you want to see them, they'll be at South by Southwest in March of 2019. So if you're in the Austin area or planning on going to South by Southwest, you can maybe find them there. And that, that is the place to be for new music. Yeah. It is taken over, that's for sure. All right. Well, I, I like I said, that's right through that pop vein that I, I know you like. So, Oh, yeah. Um, yeah good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. I'm curious now. Um, I think you're less enamored of it than Jerry and I, but okay. <laughs> I, I like a little more, a little more grit, a little more crunch. Well, when you said plimsolls, I mean to me, plimsolls are a little grittier, a little. Well, I was I was trying to be as you know um, nice about it as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I love them. I think they're great. Good fun, good fun songs. <laughs> All right, now let's move over to some more estrogen, Jerry. Yeah. What have you got for us? I've got this young lady named Anna Schultz, and it's S-C-H-U-L-Z-E. I Googled it to make sure it's pronounced that way, and she's this young lady from Indianapolis, Minnesota, uh, studied at music at USC. She's got some influences like Liz Fair, The Replacements, uh, Stones, Cheryl Crow. And she has an album out called Pickford Market that was released in February of 16. She's done a remake of Sex on Fire by the Kings of Leon. She's done a remake of Going to California by Zeppelin. And uh, the song you're going to play, it just, it just hooked me as soon as I heard it. And uh, she also is in a duet with this other woman under the name of Roscoe and Etta, if you care to look that up. But yeah, I've just been enamored with her. I've been into her about a week, 10 days, and I just like it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. All right. Well, let's give uh, Anna Schultz a listen. There we go. Anna Schultz. 
Oh, uh, that, that, that's got a little bit more teeth to it, a little more grit. Um, I really like the drums on that. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I, as a as a home recording enthusiast, um, I always I'm always just blown away when you hear studios get real real drum sounds like that. It yeah, sounded yeah. great. What did you think? Uh, I really liked it. Um, I listened to a few of her songs. And uh, I like her in general. Um, I, uh, I I think she's really gutsy studying music at USC because I know what it costs to go to USC. Mm, yeah. uh, I, I think that's a bold move. But she studied uh, with Glenn Ballard, I read. Um, wow. One of the great, great producers. And oh, yeah. uh, he was kind of her mentor. If you go on her webpage, there's actually, I think, a little quote from Glenn where he talks about Beautiful. how she likes her and um but yeah great uh, great little songstress uh good songs um she's got some other stuff she's got a, a guy she plays with a guitarist who plays some really out there kind of solos yeah. uh, but uh yeah I, I give that uh Definitely an A plus. Uh, yeah, I really, yeah. I really liked it. Very modern sounding. Uh, didn't take me back to the eighties, um, and made me feel like this is something that we're listening to contemporary right now. Real good. Beautiful. And um, so I, she does have albums on uh, iTunes. Jerry, is that what you said? Y- yes, Pickford Market. It's called. Yep. Very good. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to move forward, and um, my pick this week is an artist. He's a, he's a musician by the name of Lee Crabbe. It's K-R-A-B-B-E, and if Lee, if I've uh, mispronounced your name, I do apologize, but when I put it in hmm. Siri, she told me it was Crab. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Siri cannot be trusted all the time. No, no. <laughs> sure she can't. Um Lee's a homegrown musician. He records and produces his own stuff, and uh, he works on films and commercial uh, projects. Uh, he's got a web page that kind of has a paragraph tells you all about him, and uh, he, he, he'll he do studio work. I, I think he'd prefer to work out of his own home, but I think he'll come to yours if the, if the price is right. <laughs> but that's the case with just about any musician, I think. Heck yeah. You know, um, on his website, which is uh, LeeCrab.com, he's got about 24, 23, 24 songs on there. And I chose uh, a song called Weightless. And the reason I chose it is it, it grabbed me right off the bat. And um, I feel like that he, he also does, I guess he does music, you know, uh, worship music with his church and everything also. So he's, oh, that's always he's good. That's he, always good. Yeah, he's quite the... Quite the performer. So uh, let me play this song for you. It's called Weightless. And uh, you guys tell me who you think it slightly reminds you of. I've got a, I've got a band in mind, and uh, it's not a, not a bad thing at all. I'll tell you what. It's, okay. it, was, it was a real good thing to hear. Here we go with Weightless. Yes. 
That, my friends, is rock and roll. That's that heavy duty. That's heavy duty, Frank. I like that. This guy is multi-talented, I'm telling you. Um, yeah. Check him out on his website, and uh, he's got a wide variety of music. Wow. He's got layers upon layers of guitars, and uh, I'm just in awe of his playing. But that particular track, to me, took me to a time where I was listening to Creed. Oh. Wow. Ah, okay. You guys may not have seen that, or, or and I may be way off base, but that's what I thought of when I. I, heard I don't it. think you're too far off base, Frank. No, I had a, I had a different take on it because um, I listened to a few of his songs, and uh, there's he has like kind of this little vocal moment that happened, and I I thought uh, Lane Staley. Yeah. So wow. I went. Uh, I, I kind of get an Alice in Chains vibe from. Yeah, he's I doing. They're not quite as uh, maybe not quite as gritty as an Alice in Chains, but that's it, you know you talked about the Beths taking you back to the '80s. This takes me back to the early '90s. Wow, and, yeah. and it, it's a polished sound though. It was really he's he's well produced on on the stuff that he does. I, I love the the guitars have a lot of lot of different tones to them, and mm. uh, he's got he's gotten that down. I'll, I'll give him that much. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, I totally agree on the production. I mean, all the stuff I listened to just sounded, you know, so well done. Very slick. Very, very good stuff. Yeah, he knows what he's doing, for sure. But uh, you say slick, but not to the point of overproduced. I mean, it's... Well, you know, there was a time when slick... It's raw slick. It's yeah, raw slick. It, 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 <laughs> it's in a way that it, it, it sounds professional. Yes. You know, and... Uh, when we go back to older classic rock albums and everything, and I was just reading on this the other day, and they were talking about the reason those albums sounded so sterile was because they didn't have proper reverb like they do now. You know, everything now has, they've been able, they can simulate anything now. Yeah. The digital realm. Back in the old days, it was what was in the room, and they had some spring reverb, and that was it. So the older albums had a stale sound to them almost. Yeah. But that was the sound of vinyl that we grew up on. Yep. This here, like I say, Lee stuff sounds polished. It sounds like it's just, it fits like a glove. It, it, the whole thing just goes hand in hand. He's, he's just top-notch performer. I like it. Yeah. Um, 
again, you can uh, check him out at LeeCrab.com. He's got some uh, music available on iTunes. You can also buy music directly from his website. I, I highly recommend him and uh, check him out and uh, let me know what you think. Oh, yeah. Will do. Will do. I like that. Good deal. And I, like I said, I I, uh, I know you guys like the pop music a little more, um, but I, I tend to lean a little bit towards the heavier stuff and enjoy that oh, yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> well, that's why we always talk about music. That's exactly <laughs> that's, why. That's, <laughs> that's part of it. Yep. Let's move on to this album here, this classic rock album, because um, I listened to it probably three times since uh, we decided we were going to uh, be discussing it. And I tell you what, guys, uh, UFO is an awesome band. Oh, absolutely. Heck yeah. I have a feeling that um, you're not going to like what I have to say. Well, that's all right. <laughs> that's why we're part of the conspiracy. Yeah, absolutely. The, the album we're talking about is Strangers in the Night. It is uh <sighs> Awesome 1979 double live album. Um, at the time when it came out, I bought it on LP. I know, Jerry, you said you got it as a Christmas gift. Yes, I did. UFO, Strangers in the Night, when I was 16 for Christmas. Oh, I'll never forget it. Thank you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it. Oh, boy. Awesome. It was produced by uh, Ron Nevinson, who, um, gosh, who hasn't he worked with? You know? Right. That's a good point. That, that guy's been with it seems like the producers that worked with these these people they they were in a tight knit community because they worked with all all the great bands of the time. So mm-hmm. uh, he did a good job with the live album. That's that's for sure. Yeah, interestingly, um, I guess Mike Clink was the engineer on that same guy who produced Appetite for Destruction. Wow, and that was wow several years before that ever good came stuff, around. Jim. Yeah, wow. um, I have to say. For for me, my favorite track on that album um, is "Only You Can Rock Me." That was that was the big radio hit, I think, wasn't it? It was a big hit, but it was I, I preferred it off their studio. You know, I had their studio albums. Yeah, the live does sound better. I agree. Yeah, uh, the live has, does have something, but the, the, my problem with that live album is Phil Mogg sounds so confused throughout the whole thing. Right. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Laws. It's your copyright laws. Yeah. Oh, well, he was having issues. Uh-huh. They were changing out mics while in between songs. They were telling him to uh, delay, you know. Stall, yeah. Stall, delay, yeah. You know, <laughs> he didn't know if he's supposed to tell jokes or dance or what. But if you, his banter in between the songs are not well rehearsed at all. No. That's what made it a good live album, but at the same time, it made it a sloppy live album. Yeah, you know, it I was agree. it was a true recording of their their live show, with the exception of a couple of songs. Um, was it? Gosh, can you guys? Mother, Mother Mary and this kids. Yeah, this kids. Those are actually studio tracks. They added live audience sound over because oh, they wow. they wanted the album to be a true representation of their live show. Oh, okay. And hmm. the original album, I guess, didn't have those songs on it. Wow. And they added it in, you know, later on to like the second hmm. and third pressings and whatever because UFO mm-hmm. wanted a, you know, actual 
representation. But it's sad because this is the reason this album was the reason Michael Shankner left. Wow. Not not only because of his drug addictions and his demons and everything else. Yeah. He refused to do overdubs. He said, it's a live album. Why are we doing overdubs? Oh, wow. And that that's when he walked out. Yeah. So, and I always I thought... Always, I was going to say, Frank, sorry to interrupt. I always wondered why, because, you know, that seemed to me, that put him right out there on top. And then I remember hearing he left. I was like, I don't get that, but now I do. <laughs> you know. When Phil Mogg said, we're sorry, we're changing out the mics, I always thought that meant they had a new guitar player. I thought he walked off the stage then. <laughs> Somebody else going to plug in and tune up. A, diff- a different different mic was coming out to play guitar. Yeah. <laughs> now, before I turn it over to you guys, I want to say my least favorite songs are uh, Love to Love and Out on the Street, and I'm a Loser, three of them. And you know why? It's them cheesy keyboards. Uh, wow. <laughs> I love all those songs. <laughs> the, all three of them, I don't like them on the studio, and I don't like the keyboards on the live album either because this, wow. was, a, this was the beginning of heavy metal, that you know, the hard rock, and then here you have these little keyboard, little, you know. Electric piano sound, yeah. So that, that's what. Yeah, you know what's weird is the, uh, the keyboards seem much more much hotter in the mix on the live album than they do in the studio versions. I, well, I mean, I, Love to Love's, you know, a ton of yeah. keyboard in that, but, yeah. um, but it was amazing when I went back and listened to it. I was like, man, I don't remember the keyboards being this high in the mix. No, they were prominent, very prominent. And then that reminds me of kind of like, you know, when Dio decided that he was going to split heaven and hell because he wanted his vocals louder. And I could see them fighting over who's, Everybody wants their music louder in the mix. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of, you know, goes back to the Black Sabbath days. Yeah. But anyways, Jim, what's your favorite song on that album? Uh, You're killing me. Okay, so my favorite song is The Closer, Shoot, Shoot. Um, There's there's nothing on this album I don't like. Uh, Same here. I almost think it's like, uh, you know, Best of UFO Live. Um, it's uh, all the good songs. Uh, they added some on later on, I guess. On the they added Cherry and a couple other songs when they reissued it. They added two other tunes. I don't remember what they was. I only went back to the original because I thought that's kind of what we were discussing here. Um, uh, if I was gonna say least favorite song on it, um. Maybe let it roll. Really? Yeah, um, a, a rock and tune, but not one of my favorite UFO songs. Roll. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I read up kind of a lot this week on the album, and uh, there was one. There's one website or list or something they listed as the second greatest live album ever. After uh, better be behind Kiss Alive One. It wasn't Kiss Alive One. It was it was Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous. Oh, and uh, you guys know you guys know of my love for Thin Lizzy. Yeah, yeah. Um, documented. But I don't think Live and Dangerous is as good as Strangers in the Night. I just don't. Mm. Wow. Uh, I think it's a better album. Is it the greatest live album ever released? Uh, I don't, it's up there. I think. Um, 
And, you know, we talked, uh, we talked on the phone last week and I, uh, you probably remember Frank, I told you, I said, some of this sounds like it was highly overdubbed or done in the studio. And then I, I read that same thing you read about, you know, mother Mary and this kids, you know, they set up in the studio and did it live. Uh, Andy Parker says that they use their exact same live setup and everything else. I, I don't remember what the reason was. I don't remember if they didn't get a good cut when they recorded it or what the reason was for doing that. But uh, he claims it's as live as live can be because set up mm-hmm. and did it live. But, you know, as soon as you're in the studio doing it, it changes changes the dynamic. I mean, it allows you to – nobody says how many takes they did. Just right. live in the studio, right? <laughs> and I know it's uh, allegedly recorded all in Chicago, but there was there are notes, you know, they were re- there were some other shows that were you know blended in as well. Yeah, uh, five shows I think overall, and, and that's how most live albums are done. Anyways, they tell you one venue, and then you find out later, you know, it was recorded in a airplane hangar and. So, yeah, right. somewhere else. Well, um, I think they I think they only ended up using recordings from two nights overall, but it was a mix of those two nights. And uh, and maybe maybe none of it was actually done in Chicago. I think they recorded the Chicago show, but I don't know if they ever used takes from that show. You know Lights Out is because that's when he yells out, Lights Out, Lights yeah, Out in Chicago. Chicago. Right. But that could have been overdubbed also, though. <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's not, uh, let's not pee in the... The Kool-Aid here. Um, yeah, man. Let, let's let this be our, my little fantasy. <laughs> I know. Well, it's um, it's it's an album that I absolutely love. It's one of I my all-time too. favorite records. It's a little tough to be. So you think it holds up? Subjective. I think it holds up absolutely. You do? Uh, yeah, I think I think it does hold up. I think if you, um, I think it's really a good representation of where the band was in 1978. I would agree. Yeah, you know, to be in fairness to UFO, they didn't have much of very good albums afterwards. Their studio oh, stuff, good point too. Their yeah. studio that's stuff pretty... took a dive. Yeah, it did kind of take a dive after that. I mean, yeah. Obsession was yeah, their last did. good album, in my opinion. There, there are other good albums, but I mean, worthy of calling them, you know, the classics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Force it and. Uh, uh, lights out phenomenal you just don't get any better than those albums no yeah and i mean everything after that had its moments i mean there's there's good tracks on no place to run there's no good tracks on wild willing and innocent um you know and i would i would maybe say wild willing and innocent maybe comes the closest to the classics overall but um yeah i don't think they ever really you know, if you go back and read about kind of where they were at at that point, I mean, they were they were using a lot of drugs and, you know, yep. you can't keep that up forever. You know, nope. at a certain point, everything just starts to suffer. And I think it kind of all started to unravel at that point. They put out a whole lot of albums. I mean, they were consistent. And that's not always a good thing when you're, you know, not putting out yeah. great material, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Mechanics was the last album that I bought. That's when I stopped following them because that was probably the worst of the bunch, though. Yeah, and that's probably why I stopped because it, you know at that time records were getting a little bit more expensive. They may have been five or six dollars by that time. Oh boy! Yeah, so I, I had moved on to Iron Maiden and um, you know a bunch of other heavier bands, I think, and kind of left UFO behind. And kind of rightly so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know. Did did have um I didn't take the opportunity, had the opportunity to go see them at the Grove here in Anaheim uh earlier in the year and I passed it up because at, realizing it was their kind of their farewell jaunt, mm. you know, but um it just without Michael Shankner, it's not UFO. It's, it's nope. Yeah, you know, it's just a, another rock band to me. So yeah, and no Pete Way. So I don't know if he's yeah, no Pete Way. Well, that's like the big draw for me. You know, if, right? If Pete's not there. I'm not kind of too. No, Jim's not going. going. If Pete Way's not there, Jim's not going. No. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, and at one point it was really just Phil and some other guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was called UFO, but I, I think he was the only original guy that was kind of left doing it. They had a different drummer. They had Tommy McClendon playing guitar and different bass player. And yeah, um, absolutely not. Now, Jerry, what about you? What's your favorite track on that album? My favorite cut. Well, there's like I said, I like the whole album, but the intro to Cherry, and I always ask Jim about this. I believe it's the first time I ever heard uh, somebody play chords on a bass. And I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And and I noticed another note I wrote down is on "Let It Roll." I believe that's the first time I ever heard double bass drums. You know, machine gun style. Right. You know, yeah. Keith Moon played his double bass, but not like that. And uh, I believe those were two firsts for me. And of course, you know, the guitar solo and rock bottom. Oh, I could listen to that. And that was how right long? After, you know. How long is that song? That's a seven or eight minute song. Uh, I believe. Yeah, it's right up there. It's right up there, and, and on revisiting the album, I just I had forgotten. I had forgotten how wonderful that guitar solo on Rock Bottom is. But I, I like I like the whole album, guys. I don't have any least favorites. I really like them all. I really do. Good live album. Good solid live album. I say. And you feel it holds up the test of time, and it's uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, then the reason I say, and I ask you both, is it held up the test of time? How many times in the last six months have you listened to it? <laughs> well, I listened to it this week. I listened to <laughs> the hell out of it this week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, I already had it on my. I already had it in my library, so that's something. I mean, I had it there. But you're right; it's been a while, Frank. You're right. The reason I say that, and I'm not, I'm not putting it down because I do like the album. It does have its shortcomings, like I say, with the keyboards here and there for me. Yeah. You know what? I still listen to Frampton Comes Alive. I still listen to Double Live Gonzo. I still listen mm. to Kiss Alive One and Two. I still listen yes. to Led Zeppelin. Um, the song remains the same. Yes. You know, uh, those those albums to me, and again, I, I like the rock. The harder, the better. The, those are, are live albums that stand the test of time. I, do, I would agree. I like those. Those are all good live albums, actually. Yeah. For, for me, UFOs, Strangers in the Night is something good to go back and kind of review and reminisce over. But it's, yeah. it's not in my, my rotation. Mm. You know, and and that's just a personal preference on my part. Yeah, yeah. No it's not worries. my rotation. Yeah. But when I went back and listened to it, I wasn't like, oh man, what did I ever see in this? You know, it was Same like, here, oh, Jim. Yeah, still, it's still great. It's still great. Same here, Jim. I enjoyed it all over again. That's that's all right. Now, who who picked Strangers Than I? Was that you, Jerry, that picked that? Yeah, you put me on the spot, Frank. Uh, last week, hey Jerry, what's our next album for next week? Uh, uh, uh. And I don't know how that popped in. I don't know why, but I I, I don't know. The rock and roll gods, perhaps. I don't know. But, I, I, yeah, I remember you put me on the spot, and I, that's what I spit out. So, <laughs> so I'll take it. <laughs> Was not a bad pick at all. 
So oh, I appreciate uh, it. Let's move forward to the next episode. Jim, what do you say? Okay, well, since you let Jerry pick last time, I assumed that I was going to get my shot to say. And uh, I have, for the last, uh, what has it been, two weeks, mm-hmm. mulling this over again and again and thinking of what album would I choose. And I am going to pick Led Zeppelin's untitled fourth studio album. Oh, Zoso. It's funny you say that, Jim, because, you know, I was thinking, what was the album right before that or right after that? Houses of the Holy? Yeah. That was the album I would have picked, Houses of the Holy. But since you've got Led Zeppelin 4. Wow. I specifically picked it because Stairway to Heaven is on it. Oh, yeah. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what everybody has to kind of say about that song, <laughs> I think. Well, it's good album. plenty to discuss on that album because there's, there's, there's a lot more to that album than Stairway <clears throat> to Heaven. Yes, there is. So, But it's, you know, it's the one song everybody remembers, talks about. Mm-hmm. If you're not a Zeppelin fan, it is the one probably Zeppelin song you would know. Absolutely. And it is the one song that you are forbidden from playing at Guitar Center. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys know that more than I would. But, <laughs> yeah, please don't start with that lick. <laughs> now, that's, uh, that's a good album. We'll, we'll be re- uh, revisiting Led Zeppelin 4. I love it. And uh, to our listeners, if uh, you have any feedback or questions, please get a hold of us at jfjshow at gmail.com. If you're a band or a musician and you'd like us to uh, give your music a listen, give us an email, and we will definitely get back to you. We've gotten um, a little bit of feedback from some of our feelers that we put out. And you have to know, guys, not everything's going to make the show. No, no worries. And we still have to be out there uh, looking for our own also. Yes, we do. So uh, with that, Jim, you have anything you want to say to wrap it up? No, just uh, always great talking music with you guys. Um, uh, I was a, a little surprised by your uh, lack of love for uh, Strangers in the Night. But uh, all in all, uh, I, I think that's kind of, there's got to be uh I like the differences of opinion, you know, here with, yeah, that's why we do this guys. I kind of like that a little tingly electric piano in certain parts of the album. You know, I mean, it, it takes me back to the late seventies actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is too. It's very, uh, yeah, very dated. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, like the album, don't love it. That's all. Okay. okay. No worries. Yeah. Yep. All right, Jerry, how about you? You got anything? Uh, no, Jim and Frank, as usual, it's always great talking music with you guys, uh, and, uh, hooray for, uh, episode number two. And, uh, yeah, let's get into Led Zeppelin for our next podcast, guys. I, it, it sounds like a winner. And I think what we need to do is, um, uh, get a GoFundMe page for Jerry so that we can get a, uh, computer class. <laughs> well then I'll, I'll work on it this week guys i'll work on it this week because uh, i'm looking at my pc right now i have a 24 inch dell touchscreen so there's no lack of pc power here i just usually do everything from the phone so no i'll get that up and running we'll, we'll get something going on on the pc yeah okay so with with that everybody i want to sign off say good night thank you for listening to the jfj conspiracy and uh we'll get you next time Take care, everybody. Keep rocking and rolling. So long. <laughs>